episode 219 of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. I, of course, am Eddie Cohn. Thanks so much for listening, supporting the show. And boy, you were probably thinking, gosh, where's Eddie? It's been a few weeks since I last released the podcast. And... Yeah, a few things here before you listen to a great conversation that I had with Polly Humphrey. She's a friend of mine here in L.A. She's been on the show a couple times before. And we talk about the latest Bill Cosby documentary that just came out on Showtime, which is fantastic. We also talk about Hacks, um, a show on HBO. First season I loved, second season I thought was okay. And then we also talk about violence and drug use in television as well. I think it's a really good chat. So you're in store for that. But before we get there, yeah, I spent a, about a week back east in Maine and Boston and for a vacation, which was fantastic. Always reminded how valuable it is to travel and just get out of your head, get out of your normal routine and try new food, see new places. So that was about a week of my time. And then I kind of had a health scare for a few weeks. And I think, I think I'm in the clear, at least temporarily. Um, and I, I'm not going to really get into the details of it now, at least. I, I don't know. Maybe I will in the future. I'm not sure. I did. I was on Joseph Arthur's podcast a couple weeks ago. So if you type in Joseph Arthur TNT Radio in the Google search, uh, you can certainly find the show and listen to it there. I get into it a little bit with him. Um, but I, I guess a couple points I was thinking. It just it feels like we live in a culture now where there is a benefit or people find it beneficial if they reveal intimate details on social media, online, and then they're rewarded or they're applauded for being so quote-unquote brave. And I don't know. I've I've just I've been struggling with that. You know, when is it worthy to reveal the personal struggles that you're going through. I, I've been through a lot of personal struggles, physically, physical, mental, and I touch on them a little bit here on my show, but I think my show is more about listening to others and hear other people's stories about how they deal with this strange society of ours. Um, and yeah, I've just really been reflecting about, reflecting on this, this the, the usage of the word trauma it feels like everybody has a trauma now. Everything is tra traumatic. And if you go through that trauma, uh, then you're a hero, uh, especially if you vocalize it publicly to the world. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I, first of all, I feel like what I went through over the last couple of weeks was pretty traumatic. And I'm still reflecting upon it. And I think it's okay to not talk about it. I mean, I've, I've spoken about it, obviously, with a couple personal close friends and some family, but there is something to be said about being private and, and, and not sharing every detail. And I think we often pick and choose 
details and quote-unquote traumas because it may make us look heroic. It may bring more attention to our life. It may make us seem uh, sympathetic or, or courageous or we've gone through something that somebody else has, hasn't gone through rather. And we're all dealing with traumas every day, whether it's paying for bills, uh, the violence, the trauma created by the influx of social media and the news stories, uh, health stuff, divorce, violence, uh, you know, mental trauma. It is fucking overwhelming right now <laughs> dealing with life. One person's trauma, quote unquote, may not be more traumatic than somebody else's. But maybe somebody sort of has this innate need to share their trauma, to get attention, to get some sympathy, maybe to get use that trauma to get further in their life. You know, look, I, I'm potentially going to start writing a new book where I talk about some of the things that I've been dealing with recently and also as a kid. Um, and a lot of people say that my story is, is pretty damn courageous and heroic. Everything that I've gone through to become the person I am uh, is quote-unquote inspiring. And maybe it is. I, I'm not sure. I, I can't determine what about my life is inspiring. Um, I, I just want to keep getting better at, at my craft, at communicating, at learning, expanding upon my curiosity, speaking to more guests. And um, yeah, maybe if I spent more time trying to market myself as an inspirational leader, as somebody who's overcome trauma, childhood trauma. Uh, maybe, my, maybe I would be touring the world and maybe I'd be a public speaker. I, I certainly have thought about that. I think I'm a pretty good <laughs> articulate uh, speaker. I think I have something to say. But um, I've never been very good about promoting myself. Even, even the podcast I enjoy more listening to others than talking about myself. So it's it's just something that I've been sort of reflecting upon, thinking about, and sort of the way that we are sharing our stories. And one other point here that I, I want to share before you listen to my chat with Polly. So in my discussion with Polly, I sort of, I used to theorize that entertainment was better than it used to be now. The quality of TV and movies used to be better than it is now. But then I've sort of changed my tune after seeing some shows like Severance. Um, and maybe the quality of content now is actually just as good, if not better, but because we're all sort of in our own individual algor algor algorithmic paths, um, we don't have that sort of collective the community going on where we're all talking about it, we're all watching it at the same time. But then I watched Fatal Attraction last night, and I haven't seen it for 10, 15 years. And as I was watching it and finished it, I realized, you know something? I'm, I'm correct. We don't see movies like that anymore. We will never see a movie like that, possibly again. Adrian Lyne is the director, and the attention to nuance and subtlety, the, the visuals, that, that last scene, 
that happens in the bathroom, the use of steam, the claustrophobia created in that small space, the sound of the water. Your homework for this week is to watch Fatal Attraction. The water bubbling over, Michael Douglas being downstairs, he doesn't hear anything because the tea kettle is is blaring. And, and Glenn Close and, and her hysteria with the knife in hand, cutting herself, the red blood, um, in contrast to the white walls of the bathroom. I am telling you right now, they don't make them like that anymore. And I'm going to talk about this further over the next probably couple months. I, I There's something about how television is so much more popular now than movies. And I don't know why. I'm trying to figure that out. Because television shows, you know, there's 10 episodes and a movie is two hours. And I don't think people have the patience like they used to, but yet we are consuming more television, which will be sent to us in a 10-episode block as opposed to a movie that's just one episode or one block of entertainment that's two hours. So clearly there is a phenomenon happening now where people are more interested in TV than movies. But the quality, it's its not what... I feel like there's this subtle level of, of nuance, subtlety, attention to detail, sounds. It's almost like movies, they were restricted because you couldn't, couldn't come, you couldn't rely on technology or effects as much. You had to make sure that every scene counted. And I'm telling you, when you watch Fatal Attraction, every scene counts. Every scene is like a photograph brought to life. The writing, the drama, the the way it captivates you emotionally, and the you can, you cannot watch Fatal Attraction while doing anything else. And I think now with the way that TV is is made, and they know that people are so distracted and doing like four things at once while they watch TV. They don't, TV and movies don't have that attention to detail that they used to have. And I, I guess I, I really firmly believe that after watching, re-watching Fatal Attraction last night. So your homework for this week, watch Fatal Attraction. And tell me what you think. Wow. I, I've seen that movie before. It's been years, but dang, I was, I was spellbound. So we got a great show today for the rest of the for the for the rest of this episode. You'll listen to a chat that I had with Polly Humphreys. You know where to find me on social at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Please, if you enjoy the show, write a review on iTunes. That would be incredibly helpful. Share the show with your friends. I have a couple more guests lined up. Those episodes should drop in the next few weeks. I'm also writing a lot of new music. I'm sort of in the midst of pre-producing a new album. So I've got about seven, eight new songs I'm working on. Um, I would love to start recording a, recording a new record. It feels like that's kind of what I'm doing, but we'll see. If, if, if all goes to plan, I'll start putting some drums down. I'll bring Jake Reed in and we'll start doing some drums. And hopefully by the end of the year, I'll have some songs that are uh, not necessarily finished, but you know, more evolved and developed. And hopefully I can release some of this next year. So Polly, thanks again for taking the time to be part of the show again. 
And thanks as always to you for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Divide this into three parts. Okay. We'll see how how we get to part three. Um, part, Sorry, a kitty just walked in. Oh, part Leo. Hey, Leo. Part one. I know you haven't watched the um, documentary yet, but um, so I finished the Bill Cosby documentary. Oh, okay. And so. I'm going. I go to my alkaline water place today, and which is, by the way, the most LA statement ever. Go oh, ahead. I know, right? <laughs> so um, I pick up my water, and he's really into sports. And we normally talk about the Lakers, uh, but and like, but but you know, the Lakers are it, the season isn't happening right now. Right. So he said something. He asked me. So have you seen any shows or anything you're, you're watching anything? And I go, actually, I just watched the, uh, you get Showtime. I just watched the Bill Cosby documentary. We have to talk about Bill Cosby. And his response, and and, and look, he's not a, he's not ignorant. And, and uh, but I think we've sort of touched on this a bit in the past, but his response was, oh my gosh, did you believe all with, all these people going after him, all these women and what they're saying about him. And I didn't want to get too in the weeds with him, but I just I just said something like, you know, watch the documentary. There were quite a few women that have a, a story that's pretty similar. And I, I don't want to say too much, but just, just watch it. And again, I didn't want to be judgmental, but it did really make me think about our culture's skewed perception of you know, O.J. Simpson, you, you know, because O.J. Simpson was able to, I had these flashbacks because he was able to yeah. score touchdowns and people loved him as an athlete. And then, look, I couldn't believe Bill Cosby and, 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 and the accusations and how much of a pig this guy is. I, I, I remember his stand up. And of course, I grew up on that show. But it's, it's I guess there's two parts. What is it with, with these people? And then are we all acting in a particular way, but they're just like really good at it, and, and we believe what they're 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 portraying on screen? People don't want to knock them down. Bill Cosby, Woody Allen, yeah, you know, um, O.J. Simpson, Harvey Weinstein, like they're horrible people, but they did all these things that made people, a a huge portion of the population, admire them, trust them. They, and and in the case of, of, you know, of Bill Cosby or of Woody Allen, they were, you identified with them as characters, you know, specifically in Cosby's case, he was in your living room every week on that show. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit the other day, he was, you know, uh, he was the, 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 the black guy that all the white people could accept. Yeah. And he was the black guy that for black people, you know, was quote unquote aspirational. Yeah. 
how the how could Dr. Huxtable possibly do those things? And that's the thing. I, I think, and you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is a real reach, but I, I think the people that have a problem with it um, have a problem with where they got to about Dr. Huxtable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the best the best TV black dad they ever knew. I just. I just wonder, and I had a conversation with a friend of mine about uh, Don Lemon and Tucker Carlson the other day, and I just, I I wonder if there's just a certain personality trait or grace or, or like, again, I I would broadly just say acting, Uh, but in, you know, Tucker and Don Lemon's case, I know they're reading, well, they're all reading scripts. Um, but they're, whether, you, whether you're right or left, they are both excellent at their jobs. They, they are great at emoting or creating emotion in the listener or the viewer. And I guess Bill, right. Bill Cosby and his family, you know, and I guess the people that are successful on Instagram and social media, it's, it's weird. It's almost like the people but, who are able to sort of like portray something are, are I, guess, I guess, are like really successful in this weird sort of way now. Yeah, but I, I think I think broadcasters are a different, you know, Tucker Carlson and, and uh, Don Lemon write their own scripts, mm-hmm. first of all. And secondly, are speaking about issues directly. You know, Cosby was portraying, um, a, 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 he was playing a role. Yeah. It, it was a script that was written for him about this family, but he did it incredibly well. Um, and, you know, as any successful TV show will do, you know, Archie Bunker became a beloved character Yeah, for being, a, you know, kind of the opposite. But, but when, when people fall in love with something that then becomes, you know, I spent my childhood watching this. Yeah. I, you know, I, how could he possibly have done these things? Um, it's more, I think, you know, the, the not wanting to accept that he did it is more about like having your, your legend fucked with. Ruins. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny listening. I don't want to say too much, but listening to the women, that were sharing their stories about going to his home and and getting into these situations, and he's he's giving them drinks and pills, and but before all of that, um, they're all lionizing him, and it, you know there is this sort of it, I don't know what it is. I mean, look, I I feel this way about. Bono and Tom York and 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 Eddie Vedder, um, you know, if I saw Eddie Vedder walking down the street, I, I'm sure I would be um, just in awe. And if he's asking me to have a beer, I, I wouldn't believe it. Um, and then if he was like Eddie, take this pill. But that's the thing. But you know, but that's the thing. It's sort of like I I, I understand. You know, well, that question sort of got me off track, but I guess my my point is is that they they were all similarly um, just in awe and and looking up to this person as if they are a mm-hmm. superhero, and 
Because I, he, he was. But I think the learning lesson, and I think people have a hard time with this, but maybe it's being revealed more often now. But I've, I've had a hard time. I've had trust issues for my life. Because I think deep down, I, I, I know that human beings can have these very dark places. And it's, it's, it's hard to explain. I think that was the powerful message of, of that show was humanity. And, and, and is it possible that Bill Cosby can just be this endearing, amazing actor, but then also be just scum? And, and I guess he can. Uh, Obviously, he the can. Answer, the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at that time also, I mean, besides... Um, you know, what he was doing as an actor. He was a philanthropist. Yes. Uh, and and still is, I think, yeah, you know. Apparently, I, yeah. I, I, um, Gave millions he, of dollars to universities. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But continue, yes. And, and, and was a guy who presented himself as someone who could be really helpful to these women in their careers. That's, you know, with many, many of them, that's how it started. It, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't like, come have a drink with me, wink, wink. It was like, <laughs> let's talk about your future. You know, I, I, you're interesting. I, I kind of admire you. Let's see what I can do for you. Yeah. And that is incredibly enticing. And why wouldn't you trust him? He's Bill Cosby. It isn't. Uh, you know, uh, again, we sort of have talked about this before. Well, here's uh, wait, but here's the point in this piggy piggybacks. Yeah. On what you're about to say or what you've been saying, I think though, it's very important for us culturally, and and I, for whatever reason, I, I don't want to say it's a skill, but we have to distinguish between whatever you see on screen, whether it's social media, your phone or in movies or TV, is as emotionally caught up as you may get in whatever you're seeing, that has nothing to do with who that person really is. Correct. However, the person, no one knew this, you know, uh, I mean, or actually people did know it, but they didn't know it in its gruesome detail. Mm -hmm. He was a, he was a guy who had a way with the ladies, yeah. you know, yeah. as far as everyone was concerned. And, and, you know, that's, that's, he's on the heels of, you know, Dean Martin and, and Frank Sinatra when everybody, you know, they were all guys that had a way with the ladies. Like yeah. it, it was kind of cool to be that guy, yeah. you know, to have a drink and maybe be like, and again, we've sort of talked about this. It was also a time when it's like, this little pill will relax you. You're so nervous. Take a pill. When <laughs> right. it, and saying no to that would make you uncool. Yeah. So he was playing on his strengths. Yeah. Because he is a guy who would put you at ease. He is a guy who would make you feel important. That's one of the reasons I think, you know, what what when actors um often actors use who they are to create a really strong and believable character yeah and in cosby's case i think that was that was true of of the you know dr huxtable character I can't remember his first name. That's why I keep saying Dr. It's like, yeah, Cliff. Oh, Dr. Cliff. Cliff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, 
you know, he was, he was the like Uber Cosby. Yeah. You know, it was all the best qualities of Bill Cosby in the real world. It was the ideal Bill Cosby. It just left out the perverse the the rape the rapey yeah. the rapey the, part. Ra- the rapey part exactly <laughs> exactly yeah, that's a- but so so you know a young actress who cannot believe her luck when bill cosby says i think we should talk yeah and i think you can go places you know of course you're going to say yes yeah. And, 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 um, separating someone who is, you know, it's not like he was playing, you know, kind of a sexy bad guy. He was playing everybody's dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, 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 I get why it was able, why he was able to get away with it, why it was, you know, why it could happen so many times. Well, and here's my last point, though, in this area, though, that's something that we've talked about that really bothers me. And there's a powerful moment in this particular documentary where the the comedian who's producing and directing the uh, documentary, I forget his name, but he's asking the producer question about, because they just tell the story about one particular model who is playing a police officer on on uh, the show, and she's given a dressing room. And they're all like, and she's even thinking, I, I have like three lines, why am I given a dressing room? And it's because Bill Cosby obviously wanted to go to her dressing room. And so the director is asking the producer, did you ever see anything? Was anything unusual going on? And just in that moment, he's saying, He's playing naive. He's yeah. he's he's answering like, no, I never that I didn't find that unusual or I didn't see anything, and it really pisses me off. Yeah, because you know, Polly, I know, you know, people there knew what the fuck was going on. Yeah, and it's either they don't want to lose their job, or they don't want to, you know. Uh, ruffle the feathers or or piss somebody off. There's too much on the line. And what's even more disturbing or just as disturbing is when all these accusations are going on and the media's finding out about it, Bill Cosby was in was it was in the works that he was going to get another show on on NBC in the last like 5 6 years and eventually they finally drop it. But there are people, wow. there are, yeah, you'll find out in the documentary. It's, it's powerful. It just, it pisses me off because as much as Bill Cosby is at the top of this fucking train and he's, he's the conductor, there are people involved that know what's going on and they're keeping their mouth shut. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, I don't know, I don't have a point, but it just, that, that, that is. Well, is, but that's true of all predators in high places. Yeah. They all have because even the, the Matt Lowers, the Matt Lowers, the Weinstein's. I mean, people knew what the hell was going on. And, Absolutely, and that's the power of of money. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's also. I'm sorry, but these headphones slide off my head there. <laughs> right. um, it's also, you know, the 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 sadness 
of that is all these other these people who are um, enablers do want to keep their job. Right. That's what they want. They don't want to get fired. They don't want to be, you know, never work again. Um, it takes uh, a very brave person hmm. in that situation to come to say something. Not only brave, uh, but convinced. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and uh, probably everyone suspected, sort of knew, but maybe, you know, if you're like, I think something bad is going on, <laughs> but I'm not 100% sure, and nobody else is saying anything, and you really need the job. Yeah. And I, I'm just saying all of this because I, I think that's how this kind of stuff has gone on in perpetuity. Yeah. You know, if you work for the king and the king is doing something that you think is not good, but he's the king and you'll get kicked out of the kingdom. You might, you might not look very hard for the real truth. Yeah. It's not a great quality, but I think people do it all the time. Uh, Frankly, the stuff that's been going on, you know, and we'll just go here for one second, but mm-hmm. the, the stuff that went on in the January 6th um, hearings, when now all these people are like, and then <laughs> you, you did this. And it's like, you were there and you knew it at the time. Now you're talking about it. Um, why didn't you do something then? Information is moving so fast now, and we're all so distracted and sort of like down our own paths, whatever the algorithms are, wherever the algorithms are going to take us today, we're all going down our own path. So it's it's almost like people can get away with a lot more nowadays because it's like in order to get caught, it feels like really understand what's going on. You need people to not be distracted and we need your attention for like a week to really read and understand what the fuck is going on. And because I really think a lot about my process of learning as a kid and understanding something, it I needed to like reread it over and over again yeah. and not be distracted and not have the television on. And now it's sort of like, now wonder people are able to do so many nefarious things because it's sort of like and I don't even know if they're thinking directly that oh I can get away with stuff because people are so distracted but I do think it's easier now for things to sort of go go down that nasty place because people just are just doing their own thing and and quickly forget yes you know and um yeah however the flip side of that is that you know when you do the nefarious thing that you're going to do somebody's got a record of it now, always. Right. <laughs> They've either got, like, I found all your texts, yeah. you know, or somebody recorded it or whatever. But, yes, yeah. it's a different – If it's, it's certainly a different ballgame. Um, you seem – our last podcast, you definitely dropped the F-bomb a few times. You seem, <gasps> you seem more proper and polite today. I said I, – I think I've, I've F-bombed – well, you know, I'm happy to fucking say whatever you <laughs> want right, good, to do it. Good, good, good. <laughs> so, I, think I, I think this one, like, so far, the Cosby conversation doesn't get me as worked up as other things do. Okay. Got it. Got it. Well, 
Um, so hacks. Oh, here we fucking go. Now yeah, uh, we're talking. Uh, well, here's something that I, I want to talk to you about. So I adored, loved the first season. Okay. And Jen Statsky, who's one of the creators of the show, wrote or was a co-writer of all the scripts in that season. Okay. Season two, if it weren't for the last episode, I, w- I would have said, boy, is this just a, a mess. Like, it to me, just meandered, very uh, meandered, and, and the, the, the story on the yacht. Um, I understand... Like they needed to do all of this to get to the end scene, the end uh, episode where she's filming her own episode or her own stand-up routine. Right. Jen was a co-writer on that last episode, and it just that last episode reminded me of of like why I love the first season so much, and it's it's the relationship between I forget the two leads' names, but their relationship. And then the thing is, is that the, the whole season, you you did not have that guy who, um, I forget his name, but he was like the head of the casino where she used to work at. Right. He was gone the whole season except the last episode. Um, you, you know, you needed that sort of, you need, it's, you needed those dynamics and it just sort of, and you also needed this, the, the, the dynamic of Vegas. I just feel like the season two was missing a lot of elements uh, that were thankfully brought back on that last episode of season two. Yeah, really? I don't know. I, I think you, you may yeah. have just liked it all across the board. but I, 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 I do think season one is better, but I didn't hate season two. I, I liked a lot about season two. Um, I, I, the two of them are just so good together that, you know, there's that. Um, but also I loved the... Uh, I loved the the sort of journey of Jean Smart's character trying to find her way through, like when she was on the big lesbian boat ship. Yeah. Um, and, you know, suddenly just made this assumption um, that she could be whoever she wanted to be. At, you know, they were like, you're a woman. And she was like, yes, I am. And I'm an <laughs> asshole, too. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, you are an asshole. Um I, I I don't know. I thought for me, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, I, mean, I also yeah like I love the the um, the guy who is their manager and and Kayla. Oh, he's. I funny. love that side story, and Kayla is hilarious too. I mean, she's she's sort of the most over the top character in yes. the whole thing, but they did a really good job of making her three dimensional. You know, yeah. she's. She is over the top, but she that girl exists. She's yeah. not, you know. So so for me, season two, season, uh, again, I agree. Season one was amazing, and it could have ended kind of there. Yeah. But since they kept it going and since they wanted to get to, you know, the Jean Smart character getting to the real truth of who she was, um, they had to spread a wider net, I guess. Well, it's interesting. You know, I'm only speaking of, I'm speaking of this through experience, but my observations of the music industry and even, look, I love great art, much like you do, but 
I, can, I believe I can distinguish art that is created from the muse as opposed to art that is created because, oh, this thing that you made, the first album, the first season is so good, we need another one. And to me, season two of Hacks and look, the last three seasons of Seinfeld, um, they're, they're, it's very, t- in, to my eyes, uh, and I'm not saying this with any sort of, you know, I'm not proud of it I, or modesty, but I, I feel like I can tell when something is made because producers and money's involved and, hey, what you made was so great. Uh, we need another one. And that's how season two felt to me. See, uh, okay. And and I, you're right. I see that all the time. I But I, I didn't feel that in okay. season two entirely. Um, I wanted to know what ha- what was going to happen with these two. And the strength of the performances, um, like you, you said that you thought that Las Vegas was a character, which is great. It was a great way to put it because it really was. And so there was an added spice yeah. in that first season. Um, so again, in season in season two, you know, uh, they are they're on the road. They right. don't have that character. So the show relies more on the relationships that these people have with one another. And for me, they stood up. They were, they were good enough, you know. I, um, ugh, oh my God, I can't. Hannah Einbinder, I think is her name. Yes, the, good the, memory. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, her, her whole thing, you know, the, her father's ashes in the, in the, uh, the tennis ball thing um, and the, her experience on the lesbian cruise um, were, I think, funny and interesting, you know? Um, I think and- that's the thing. All of her stuff, I, to me, I didn't care. But when the, what's the main character's name? Jean Smart? Jean Smart. Yes. Whenever, like whenever she's involved in her life, then yeah. then to me it seems interesting. But when she was sort of like on her own trying to find herself or whatever, I or like you know she's she's subletting her place out to some somebody who then want you know wants to hook up with her. Like all that stuff to me just was just like I don't care. But um, right, it just it just there felt like a lot of filler. Um, but well, but, I will just say this: I think you're just. Um, penning a little love letter to Jean Smart because she is Look, such a you're fucking right. powerhouse. She blew me She's away. Unbelievable. So yes, any show that can, you know, where you can ask for more Jean Smart, you're allowed to ask for more Jean Smart. Well, and here's the question that I want to ask. And then there's another question I want to ask about the show too. So I've had this, this, this um, hypothesis or theory that the, the beginning of my podcast where I felt because of tech and social media and our attention spans and because producers are, are it's because there's so much it's now about quantity. It's about, okay, no more 22 episodes, uh, only six, only five, eight at the most. So I've had this theory that quality is down because of what's happened culturally and, um, it, and technology is one like, they they are thinking more about attention span, society, tech, and, and so. But then my, I feel like maybe my theory 
is has has been ripped to shreds thanks to first season of Hacks, I'll say, Severance. Oh. Um, there was another show that just blew me away that came out. Um, well, the, the one with Amy Schumer I thought was fantastic, the comedy. Um, but I, so my point here is, is that maybe shows are actually better than ever right now, but there's just so many that part of what made, well, I'll say the Cosby show or Family Ties or Cheers, part of what made the greatness of those shows stand out is we'd go to work the next day or go to school the next day or wherever. And, you know, you'd all talk about it with your friends and you'd sort of like live the experience together. And, and now we're sort of like in uh, real time, in real time. That's the difference. Yes. Uh, and, and because I've never, uh, you know, what you know that we've always differed about the quality versus quantity thing. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think quantity negates quality. Um, but there is a difference and there's, a, and we've talked about this before. There's a difference in the way that things are written because of binging. Hmm. You know, I, I like that HBO does it. And I think others do where you have to wait for the episode. Yes. You know, I think Apple TV does it. Um, they do, yeah. 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 I, someone recently, and it was like, oh yeah. Someone said something that's missing from watching streaming is, you know, being in the kitchen and hearing like, it's coming back on, it's coming yes. back on, and having to run back into the, you know, and it's like, yeah, there is that, it almost makes it more intense, hmm. I guess, you know, that it's, it happens while it happens. Um, and then, you know, and then we had, you know, whatever VCRs and stuff like that, so you could see things later, but I do think that there's a lot of really quality stuff. I think there has been for a while. The, quant- the, the problem with quantity is that you have to look for it. Yeah. And, and you're not necessarily going to find it. Yeah, but, but I think but more to your earlier point about this quantity, I, again, and I brought it up a little bit, you know, I tell you to to watch Severance, right? But I had already watched it, you know. And you're sort of like going at your pace. Everybody's sort of like, you know, John down the street might be on episode eight, uh, right? And, and even if even if we all collectively decide to watch Severance, you know, it's we, you know, you're watching it in at your pace. I'm watching it. Right. My, there, I mean, there is this strange disconnection. Agree. Happening. Yeah. The phrase "no spoilers." Hmm. It didn't exist because we all watched it on the same night. Yeah. So, I mean, it would like if someone hadn't seen it, <laughs> too bad, you know. So it does alter the way that the conversations. I guess it it, it changes the social aspect. Yes. Of consuming content, I don't know if it's all negative. I mean, I think there are positives too. I think the overwhelming quantity and access is is truly remarkable and and to have unlimited access i've been watching a lot of pearl jam videos on youtube like concert videos wow. which which is fantastic yeah um but I, I do sort of reflect back upon and i i my last guest just 
you know, the grunge scene of the 90s or the hip hop scene of, of the 90s and New York and L.A. music scenes. Um, boy, I, I just I think outside of Cardi B, you know, and Kanye West or not Conway, Kanye, a Drake. I mean, how does an art and Billie Eilish? It's sort of like, I, I don't know. How does how does something um, take over a, a culture? I'm even trying to think of like a a show. I mean, I guess Top Gun did for a little bit, but um, I, I don't know. It's sort of like those those days of when music or a show like Hill Street Blues or the or Cheers, you know, it, it it's a part of the the cultural uh, community. Oh, no. What are you talking about, Eddie? Does, does that happen now anymore? Yeah. Give me I mean, an example. What, what Beyonce's album okay. just dropped and yeah. he's killed the world. But but the, I'm like. Let's Beyonce and her beehive, you know, they have a they, they, they're like this growing living entity and Beyonce's been around for a while now. Yeah. I guess is can something new come out like is anything new coming out that sort of takes over the culture? I mean, I know the B- Beyonce had a new album come out and we're all excited about that, but I don't know. I just feel like it's it's really hard for something to not only like break through, but but sort of engulf our society with with create a creative entity. I think if we're talking about music, that that probably happens more than you know because you're of a certain age. Yeah, I've, I've wondered that too. I, I think it's happening more on social media. Hmm. You know, okay. I, I think a, a lot of you know, a lot of artists are sort of debuting their stuff on social media. Yeah. Um, and all the kiddos are as hooked up to it as we ever were. Look, I love the new Harry Styles record. I think it's, so am- I. I, I think like, it's he's amazing. Brilliant. But, 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 but go back to like t- t- TV shows and I don't know, is, is a TV show able to take over a culture like it used to? Yes. I mean, there was, and again, just thinking about, you know, Euphoria hmm. was a giant, and by the way, which I have not seen yet. Well, wait, I, I, you didn't see the first season of Euphoria? No, I haven't okay, seen it. Okay, because that's fantastic. I haven't seen the second right. season yet. Okay. But, but it, yeah, was, okay. it was, everyone was talking about it everywhere. Hmm. You okay. know? Um, Game of Thrones did it. Yeah. When Game of Thrones was on. It's just, it's just, it, it feels different because the mediums, medium? Me- media are different. Yeah, you know because because they're on these giant platforms. But it used to be that like ABC, NBC, and CBS were the giants. Yeah, you know. There's just so much now. I mean, God, you know, like we're doing all these I, I, studies. Yeah. It's like epics and stars and oh my god, BET plus and oh my Paramount god, plus and, and I just and even YouTube. You know, it's yeah. a it's a it's a player now so i guess my well my last question i don't know if you'll remember in season one but um what's the younger woman's name uh hannah einbinder hannah and hannah einbinder meets this guy um and they go out and casually do blow yeah and I guess Molly is the drug that's in now. They're yeah. doing Molly, and she talks about Molly later. Yeah. And um, the casualness in which they just do cocaine 
and do some Molly and just having a good time. And and now he ends up dying. Um, oh, yeah, there's that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's just, there's this certain casualness to drug use and violence in, in TV and movies that I'm really feeling sensitive to right now. Like I look at the way our culture is and this, this supposed fentanyl crisis happening, and I don't mean supposed in a, in, in a lighthearted way. Um, yeah. I just, because it's, I don't see it in my periphery, but it's, it, if the statistics are right and the news stories are right, it's there. And this onslaught of violence happening. And I, I, you know, Bill Maher brought up like statistics where, you know, we can't say it's one thing. We can't say uh, it's, it's depression, bad parents, but, but you know, and, and it's only violence on film or in television. But boy, that, the, cat, the way that they just did drugs and, and you know, he jumps off of a, a building and dies. Um, but then everybody just, you know, sort of moves on. We don't see the kid's funeral. We don't, we don't, we don't, like, that's fucking awful that he does drugs. He's, he's like a con artist and he dies. And I mean, that there's really no, look, we don't have time. Sorry that it's taking me a while to get to my point. We don't have time to go to that kid's funeral. Like, that's not part of the story. The story are those two women. But there's, right. there's such a... I just I just was blown away at how casual the drug use is and 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 you bring up euphoria and I don't know I it it really bothered me it really bothered me um were you ever a casual drug user no I was I I mean that's like I used to do blow and do ecstasy which is what Molly is but did you uh, feel like it's as I guess my question is, did you feel like it's as casual and, and no big deal as it's being portrayed in TV and movies? Because people that I speak to say that it's fucking awful doing blow. And they had some people that actually came close to dying and they're like, never touching that shit again. Yeah. And there's just there's a certain level of casualness that even and, and even with gun usage in, in television and movies that it just I don't know if it really represents. Uh, yeah, the our- gun, the gun issue thing is another thing. Okay. But, but I think um, realistically, and and it, this is a generational thing. Like my two of my very best friends are like ten years younger than I am, mm-hmm. and years ago when I first, I don't even remember how it came up. They were like, "Oh my god." you used to do cocaine all the time? You did blow? And I was like, yeah, everybody did. Yeah. Um, And, you know, ecstasy and, you know, all kinds of shit ensued. That's what you did. Yeah. And it was fun and it was crazy. And there were plenty of times when you were like, "Um, uh, whoops, (laughs) that shouldn't have happened. But, you know, uh, but to these two friends... It was like, oh, my God, I would never do that. Yeah. I can't believe you did that. And I was like, oh, my God, what's wrong with you? So so I think there – and now it's back. Yeah. It's back. It's back the way it was when I was young, you know? 
Yeah. Like, like culturally. Yes. Yes, I feel that yeah. too. Yeah. 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 Fentanyl something else. Fentanyl is fucking scary as yeah. shit. I, yeah. I told you, like, there's a kid living next door to my mom who was a fentanyl addict and is has been indicted in a murder. Oh, God. Yeah. Because, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Because all these kids that live in this, you know, super rural area have nothing to do. So they're all doing fentanyl. He was there when this murder happened and he's been indicted in it. And he's, you know, he also is almost 30 years old living with his parents and keeps uh, relapsing. So you don't think um, TV, film, I know, well, maybe drugs and and violence are different, but do you think that it it seeps into our culture and and creates some... uh... I think the culture seeps into TV and film. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you you think that these creators of television and movies are just mirroring what they see? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, especially a show that's based in Vegas. Hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. People go to Vegas to do drugs. Yes. And, you know, have a great time. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like it would have been almost unreal to leave that kind of encounter out of a show about Vegas. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Guns, different. I, I, about guns, uh, you know, I just think the fact that almost every show on television at some point, at least, you know, uh, once a month in their storyline, someone has a gun and is shooting people. (laughs) Um, I think that should be something that's, that's really thought about. Here, I guess my, I'll circle in one thing. I guess my point that I've often thought about though, when somebody dies, like people are just killed and, and the story just moves on. You know, right. and I do wonder, and like even that kid who did drugs and killed himself. Right. The, the story moves on. And the reality but, is like if, if somebody in my periphery is, is dying from a gunshot wound or drugs, my life is changed forever. And I'm yeah. emotionally potentially going through some serious shit emotionally for maybe one to five, 10 years. And you never see that unless it's, you know, um, that part br- of the plot. The, yeah, that brilliant movie, like, God, it was with Steve Carell. It was based on a Nick Schiff novel where both the father and or the son is addicted to drugs and it's fucking brilliant. It's with Steve Carell. Um, I like, I remember I, I did not God, see it. I, I read I the books. I remember it. it's the dad wrote a book and and the son actually wrote a book. So obviously that was part of the story and and you know you're for two hours, you're you're feeling it, but so I guess that's that's sort of I'm I'm answering my own question because I, I guess if it's not part of the story, you know, it just it just moves on. But well, but, the thing is, though, it's not if you say the story or you say your story, hmm. you know, uh, the, it. And again, I go back to the setting, like I in my life have known of people that I spent time with who, who died, who overdosed. Hmm. Um, and it was, it, you know, it's shocking and, and you do spend a little bit of time on it, but I did move on. I, you know, also 
especially if they were people who I knew were huge, because one guy that I'm thinking of in particular was an insane party animal. He was, he was doing blow every night. Yeah. You know, and staying out all night and drinking all night. And so it was no surprise that that happened. And it's sad. And then you go on with your life. (laughs) Right. That's, you know, and that Vegas setting. You know, this is, uh, she's in the land of, she picked up a guy in Vegas. Right. uh, Where that kind of shit happens. Yeah. You know? I just think, I think, I think you're, I think it's very sweet that you feel that way. That's a very tender hearted um, point of view to have because. And she, you know, it's not like she's completely unaffected by it. She is affected by it. Yeah. But it's not, it's not a major uh, game changer. Well, it kind of is. It does change her. But it's not, we don't, the story doesn't become about that guy. Because it isn't the story about that guy. The story is the story of, of her and Gene Smart, and how, and this is something that happens that affects their relationship. Right. Yeah, I've just, um, yeah, I don't know. I've just, I've been really, I think a lot about, um, and I don't know if our culture is, is getting worse because of the the fast paced nature of, of of tech and and the news media and, and is or, or is culture I guess my last point and then I'll let you go is culture always sort of been just a mess and we're doing the best that we can like like I went to the pool today I yeah. swear to God on fucking Pico Boulevard I'm driving the speed limit and some kid zips I missed him by. 10 feet, zips down the fucking crosswalk, but doesn't push the button, nothing. Like one of those little mini bikes. Yes. Electric. He's probably like eight years old. He just zips right through. He doesn't look to his right to even see a car's coming. I swear to God, I slam on the fucking brakes and just miss hitting him. Oh my God. My life could have been ruined and changed forever. Thank God I'm paying attention. And it's like... Is is life just this, you know, we've got all these people on television now just talking about how fucked up the world is. And is, is it always been this way? And just, there's just more people that are talking about it. Or is it getting better or worse? I mean, I just don't know. Ooh, those are the, That's a giant question, yeah. Eddie, because yeah. it's huge. I mean, and I, I don't know, but I do think um, when, when, a couple of minutes ago when you were just talking about like people die and you move on. I suddenly thought about like, I don't know. It's, it's a, this is a very, you know, big one, but in all of Shakespeare's plays, like people get killed all over the place Yeah, and people just go on. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think, uh, and I had one of those nights a couple of nights ago. I, when I was like the whole, you know, Europe being so hot that people are dying. Mm -hmm. And so I had a night of like, oh my God, global warming. This is, it's not a joke. This is, this is the worst time ever. 
But I people have said that about a lot of other times. Yeah. Imagine, you know, being in oh my god, being in Europe during the Holocaust. Ugh. Yeah. That that was definitely the worst. How could anything be worse than that? You know, or being um in Africa uh you know during um one of the many um hunger crises that have happened there if you're living someplace yeah. where there is no food and there is no water that which has already happened you know or or you know being in medieval europe during the plague yeah eh, no believe me that, that. would have sucked oh, yeah. you know yeah. i i just think that but i think what is happening now is that everything is changing so quickly and we are bombarded with so much information um, that it feels like there's never been anything like this before. And there hasn't. Right. But, 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 you know, before this, there was something else that was the thing that nothing had ever been like before. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. I don't know. But then amongst all of that shit, there are these beautiful pictures of outer space that have been showing up recently um, that are mind-blowing. Yeah. Have you seen any of those? No. I've been really, uh, I've been watching a lot of cat and animal videos lately. <laughs> That's sort of been my go-to. But I'll, I'll, I'll but send me the space yes, photos. Yes, like I'll send you, they're, you know, it's not... It, they are, I, I always am like, it's the Hubble telescope, but it's not. It's <laughs> yeah. NASA is getting these pictures oh, from cool. somewhere of nebula and solar systems that are mind-blowingly beautiful. Wow. And so, um, you know, in all the chaos and all the shit, there's that as well. Yeah. Well, Polly. Eddie. This was wonderful. We didn't get to Stranger Things, but I think, you know, this is, we'll, we'll, you know, maybe it just... We may have to do another one about Stranger Things just for you to interview me as if, like, a fangirl. As a fangirl. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but this was, yeah, this was good, though. We, we covered a lot, and I feel like I like to keep them under an hour, so we're... we're oh, definitely. Yeah, people are definitely. like, uh, you're not Joe Rogan, so you can't, you can't do four-hour <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> no one needs that, Eddie. Yeah. No one needs no, it. No, I don't even think Joe Rogan should be doing no. three-and-a-half-hour podcasts. I don't think Joe Rogan should be doing anything, <laughs> but that's another conversation. <laughs> All right. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Great to see you. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye.